Before we get going with this week's show, a word from our friends at Santa Anita Park. When we're talking about Santa Anita Park and racing, we have to talk about the Ship and Win program. $5,000 bonus for out-of-state horses. 35% purse bonus to horses' earnings in its initial start. First through fifth place finish. Horse must have made their last start outside of California and have not started in California in the last 12 months. And first time starts and stakes horses are not eligible for the program, the ship and win program. If you've got a horse, you need to consider it. Run at Santa Anita Park. Now, onto this week's show. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Tuesday, February the 15th, 2022. This is episode 103 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can find it over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 102 prior on this week's show. Going to go over the most recent derby preps, as well as make up for this past weekend and the weekend prior for the Kentucky Oaks preps, going through highlighting some horses that maybe I think are ones you want to keep an eye on for the big races themselves, the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks and other races, uh, but also maybe some that fly under the radar a bit. We'll go over those. It's going to be down and dirty, knowing that I'm a day late here this week. Just got back from Hilton Head last night. Uh, those of you We'll give this a quick uh, golf course review moment. Uh, played Harbortown on Saturday. I will say if you're someone who sprays the ball all over the place, probably not going to have a great time. Uh, it was the first round I'd played in five months. Got out of there with an 80. I'm okay with that. Decent round. Had a couple of little hiccups on the back nine specifically, but all in all, fun course. But if you're somebody who kind of struggles off the tee with some accuracy, hmm probably going to have a hard time there, but definitely worth considering if you're down there. Not a cheap ticket, but one to think about. So there's a golf course review for those of you that care about that. Uh, Those of you that don't care about that, let's talk about programming for next week just to get that, you know, out there. I don't know timing wise when I'm going to be able to record, what the situation is going to be while I'm out there uh, headed to Riyadh on Sunday. The hope is that it won't be on Monday because I'm sure I'm going to feel like I've been hit by a bus, but Uh, Tuesday, hopefully we can get something out there and then maybe I'll still be able to do the late show, the late week players pod with PTF. We'll do that again this week. If you're curious about stakes previews and talking about a number of different things, we need to firm it up. But I think this week, looking forward to it, we'll go over a couple of fairgrounds races and a couple of races from Laurel along with Naomi Tucker. So that should be a good time this week. Hopefully we can do it again next week, but time differences, we're at like 10 and a half hour difference, something thereabouts. So We'll figure that out, but just bear with me about when the pod's going to come up next week as well, and then the following week when I get back. But we'll worry about that when the time comes. For now, let's dive into it. We'll start off, and it's going to be rapid fire. I don't want to make this a long pod knowing that we're a day late already. I'll go ripping through the couple of derby preps that we had this past weekend, the Tampa Bay Derby, as well as the El Camino Real Derby, and then we will go over the Kentucky Oaks preps that I've missed over the past two weeks, give you some prep ratings, some horses to keep an eye on, and things of that nature. And as always, I'm curious your thoughts and opinions on all the horses, the tracks, whatever it may be, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Let's get into it. I say Tampa Bay Derby. Sam F. Davis. Getting a little, <laughs> a little ahead of ourselves. But I will say, 
the winner of the Sam F. Davis probably has a big chance in the Tampa Bay Derby if they choose to go there. Let's talk about Sam F. Davis and El Camino Real Derby. All right, let's rip through these two derby preps, and I guess you can really only look at one of them as a proper derby prep, but don't sleep on the El Camino Real Derby. Let's start, though, at Tampa with the Sam F. Davis Classic Causeway goes off at 8-5. to five. He wins for fun, and he does so in really, really impressive fashion when you really take it all into context. And this is all I was trying to say about early voting last week in the Withers. Classic Causeway goes, and granted, he ran much faster on the final time than early voting did. He earns an 88 buyer. Uh, from a Timeform U.S. standpoint, he earns a 112 113 pace adjusted. So there's a little discrepancy there, but I'm not going to really, you know, split hairs over those numbers. But the way in which he won, he was hounded throughout. He set fast fractions throughout 22 and 3, 46 and 3, 11 and 2 for three quarters, stops the clock and 42 and 4. The other speeds are nowhere. They're up the track. And Classic Causeway is able to draw away at the end of the race. He wins by more than three lengths, nearly four lengths beneath the rad. Uh, and again, I mean, I. The way in which he does it is more impressive than the final number, in my opinion. That 88, I'm going to upgrade him. I think he's better than what that number would suggest based on this effort. Now, if you want to use the exact same argument from last week, and I'm going to keep using the Withers because I think they're they're comparable races, the field behind this horse may have been no good at all as far as the Derby is concerned. And again, when I say those certain things, it's all relative. These are going to be talented racehorses that are going to be able to do other things. But maybe as far as the Kentucky Derby is concerned, maybe none of them have, you know, a snowball's chance. Uh, Shipsational ran on a little bit at the end, but I wasn't all overly impressed. Uh, Volcanic, I don't really have much to say. I thought it was just a, a fine effort and just fine. Um, I liked God of Love in there. He was wide trying to rally from the back of the pack, but he didn't really make a dent. Uh, Classic Causeway was the best horse in the race going into it. He's the best horse in the race coming out of it. I think if this is the starting point for him as a three-year-old, I think the upside is pretty pretty substantial. Now, if you want to voice your concern about his ability to sit as opposed to be as effective as he is when he controls the pace, keep in mind, his first career start is still his fastest to date in which he went gate to wire and it was sprinting. And in this race, while hounded on the lead, he was effectively gate to wire and he got the job done impressively. He didn't win the Breeders' Futurity when he was out there, hot pace, run down by better horses. And the Kentucky Jockey Club, he sat off of a slow pace, did rally, make his move, and was just run down by Smile Happy. Now, I bring up Smile Happy. That Kentucky Jockey Club, I mentioned it on the Late Week Players Pod last week. You, if you haven't looked at it, you need to go back and look at that race because now the top three, and I say top three, this is including Smile Happy, you've had Classic Causeway come back and win a derby prep. You've had White Abario come back and win a derby prep, both of them winning emphatically. And neither of them were any match for Smile Happy. You still need to bank on that typical two-year-old to three-year-old move. But Smile Happy is, whether he, I'm trying to think of the right way of putting this, he has a lot to lose coming up on Saturday in the Risen Star. Because now the expectation is, well, everybody else that you've run against, by the way, Call Me Midnight, I think, was well behind those top three in that Kentucky Jockey Club. There's a, there a set of expectations now for Smile Happy, not just to run well, but to run very, very well. To really stamp himself as the horse to beat in this three-year-old division. 
based on what everyone else has done. So it's a, it looks good and it, it sort of bodes well for Smile Happy coming up in the Risen Star on Saturday, but it also increases the pressure because now it's not a matter of, well, we think he can improve. It's based on everybody else who you defeated as a two-year-old. We're expecting you to improve and expecting you to assert yourself as the three-year-old male to beat in this division that I don't want to say has been topsy-turvy, but you know, there's, there's no standout right now. You have a lot of, I think, good horses. I think it's a pretty good group so far. I know it's relatively early, but big picture, it ain't that early. What do we have? Uh, 11 weeks left? I think it's a good group. Smile Happy has a prime opportunity to prove himself as the best of the best in Saturday's Risen Star at the fairgrounds. Based on the, this effort from Classic Causeway and White Abario and the Holy Bull, the expectation now is there for him not just to run well, but to run really well. So well that he deserves to be considered the horse to beat in this division. Classic Causeway, I think he's very talented. First start in a few months. The Fig, it's fast. It's not, it's a little alarming to me that it's not the fastest he's ever run. That's a little disappointing, but nothing more than a means to an end. Assuming he goes to the Tampa Bay Derby, he's going to be one of, if not the horse to beat. Um, I just thought all around it was a really good effort, and we'll find out. Maybe the horses that ran behind him uh, are, are nothing as far as the Triple Crown is concerned, but he won the way he was supposed to win, or you would hope that he would have won a race like this as a heavy favorite, as a horse coming into it who had seemingly all the upside. And the other ones, yeah, there was upside and there was potential, but they needed to prove that they could run fast, period. Classic Causeway had already done that as a two-year-old, and he looks like he's an improving sort of three-year-old. So Classic Causeway, the Sam F. Davis, I'm going to give it for a prep rating an eight because I do believe in this horse. And if he can prove at some point that he is capable of sitting off of a target, he's not ever going to be one that's coming from six out of it. If he can be forward enough and switch off, again, you know, I talk about that, that ideal running style for any real race, but especially going a mile and a quarter, tactical speed, putting yourself right there, if not outright on the lead, just off of it, being fast enough to stay there with the leaders early and then be able to still finish with something left in the tank. Classic Causeway could be one of those horses that shapes up as a horse that's got the perfect running style. If he can prove that he is as comfortable and as effective sitting just off as when he's out there cutting out the fractions. Uh, Classic Causeway, 88 buyer. I have no issues with this effort in Sam F. Davis. He deserves to be on the short list of, of people's favorites as far as the three-year-olds two weeks into February. Now, the El Camino Real Derby. I thought this was a good race. From a derby standpoint, I have a difficult time making a call because we know Black Adder, who wins the race, is trained by Bob Baffert. The whole Baffert thing is still ongoing. Also, worth noting, and probably more importantly for this race, the winner automatically gets into the Preakness. And we saw Ron Bauer parlay this race into a win in the Preakness last year. Black Adder, I said it on the late show last week, I, I thought about picking him. I just was afraid that he was going to get overbet. And to be honest... 7-2 to two is fair. I thought he was going to be closer to 5-2. to two. And he did the exact same thing that he did in that run two starts back when he broke his maiden at Santa Anita. He put in a wicked, wicked turn move. He's loaded for bear in behind runners. Edwin Maldonado eventually goes down to the inside, splits horses, and he finishes with a rush, able to just get up and nip McKinnon, who, well, we'll get to him in a minute. But 
from a fig standpoint, it's an interesting race because those folks who are just, you know, the number's the number and I don't care about anything else, they're not going to be wowed. An 82 buyer is not fast enough to really be competitive in many of these races. Uh, Timeform US had a 105 rating. So again, you're not talking about land speed records, but the way that this horse continues to improve and for him to be putting in these long, sustained bids, finishing as well as he does, and at longer distances, this race, keep in mind, was at a mile and an eighth. I think this horse is good. You know, they paid a lot of money for him. They paid almost over $600,000 for him. He's a son of quality road. He's out of a pulpit mare. I think there's a lot to like about him. Dirt, the concern is always going to be the running style because it doesn't seem as though he's blessed with, with a ton of early foot. Having said that, I mean, he's... Well, I shouldn't say that. You take a look at some of his pace figs. The maiden score early on, he himself is 111 and a 95. He's eight lengths off the pace at that point. Three starts back in his first two-turn race at Del Mar. He's got pace figs of 96, 88, 82, and he's still two and a half, three, three, four lengths off of it. So he's not a horse that's ever going to be up there pushing things. And in this El Camino Real Derby, he's coming from six out of it. On dirt, my fear is that he has too much to do. Let's just use a classic causeway as the example. If classic causeway can stay distances, he's always going to have a five or six length head start on a horse like Black Adder. But there is something to be said about a horse that runs on the turns and finishes the way that this one does. I think Black Adder is sneaky good. And again, the you know the figure lovers are going to look at him and just kind of say, he's nothing. I'm not worried about him. Visually, I like everything I've seen from him. I think he's a talented racehorse. I, I think at this point now, the question is going to be, what does Baffert do with him? Because he's not a new Grange. You know, he's, he's not uh, the big horse who won a couple weeks ago, uh, Messier. You know, but there's still a, a place for him. Do you go to the Jeff Ruby stakes? Synthetic, mile and an eighth. Do you try him on dirt? You know, I don't know. I don't know what you want to do with him. The Preakness, you would think, is going to be sort of a longer-term goal, but I'm not ready to write him off and say that he couldn't run in a race like the Kentucky Derby. Would he be a favorite? No, he'd probably be 25-1 to 1 in that race. But I would think he has a... With his running style and the way that he is finished, I would think he'd have a puncher's chance to hit the board in a race like the Derby if they chose to go that route. If, and assuming he continues to improve. But an 82, if we're just talking about classic causeway, and again, context goes a long way. I think that 88 is better than maybe the, you know, the, the fig would suggest for classic causeways winning the Sam F. Davis. But if you're just a, a numbers player, there's not a major difference between classic causeway and Black Adder. 88 versus an 82, Black Adder has moved up and he's moved up in those little incremental fashions that I like to see. I think he's a good horse. I'm curious what everybody else's thoughts are about him. You know, are you someone who just looks at it and goes, it was synthetic, it doesn't mean anything to me? You know, is he just too slow? He's clearly Baffert's fifth stringer or whatever, however you want to, you know, position him. Or are you kind of in my camp saying that, you know what, maybe he's not going to be a superstar, but I think he's going to be a useful horse. I think there are races for him. I'd also be curious to see if they end up trying to turf with him. With the way that he has run at the end of races with such an electric turn of foot. And I don't, I don't like the, the phrase turn of foot on dirt, but he showed that on that far turn at Santa Anita. And he showed it down the lane here at, at Golden Gate. 
I'd be curious if maybe that's the path they choose. Let's see if we can run, get something on grass before we end up fully going back over to dirt for a race like the Preakness or if they try to go the, the Derby route. But Black Hatter, I think he's a good horse. I think there's some ability here, and I think there's reason to think that he will continue to improve as opposed to maybe some of the some of his contemporaries that may be a little bit more precocious that ran faster earlier, but they hit their ceiling earlier. I think this horse has got room and scope to improve. He's an interesting one to me. Uh, as far as the rest of the race is concerned, the only other horse that I want to mention is McKinnon. He runs very well. He's probably a little unlucky not to win this race. My issue or my concern with him at this point, he's just not getting much faster. If we want to go back to the Zuma Beach, which was at the beginning of October last year, which was his last victory, it was a stakes win. He earns a 77 buyer in that spot, comes back, earns an 84 buyer in the Juvenile Turf in the Breeders' Cup, which I thought was a really good race. Comes back in the sham on dirt and say, okay, well, maybe he's not really a dirt horse, but he earned an 82 competitive fig. Well, the synth, that should be fine for him. He goes over there, and it was fine. He ran really well, but he earned an 81. I'm wondering if he's plateaued a little bit. It's too early to totally say that, but he's run eight times in his last four races. And even if you want to go to the Del Mar Juvenile Turf back at the beginning of September, you're into 72. He's not gotten markedly faster over the past, what, six months? Little bit of a, That would be a little bit of a concern for me if I was a, a fan of McKinnon at this point. Um, Delmo, I thought Delmo ran fine. He was the one I ended up picking and betting. 13 to 1, price was right. Uh, made a nice middle move into the hotter part of the run and just flattened out down the lane. Wasn't nearly as good as the top two. That's fine. Maybe he can turn into a useful type, but I don't think we're talking about anything uh, off the charts as far as Delmo is concerned. Black Adder. I think he's a sneaky one that maybe you want to keep an eye on. Let me know what you think about Black Adder, the El Camino Real, Classic Causeway, the Sam F. Davis beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Now, let's transition and take a look at the Oaks Phillies with preps from this past weekend and the weekend prior. I realize I didn't give a prep rating for the El Camino. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. There's no guarantee that you end up seeing Black Adder go toward the Kentucky Derby. Part of the reason it's as low as it is, probably going to be a Preakness type. I'll be fascinated to see what the progression is from here to that point. Um, But even if he does get to the Derby, as I mentioned, I think he may be one of those juicy underneath kind of key types. Probably not good enough to win, could absolutely see him picking up some pieces, running third or fourth if you're playing a try or a super. Long way to go before we get to that point, but that's putting a pin in the El Camino Real Derby. Now, let's talk about the Phillies, because I didn't go over it last week, the couple of prep races that we had, and then we had another one from Tampa Bay Downs this past weekend. So, three Oaks preps, and I think they're going to be three very important ones, not because of these wins specifically, But I think three horses in particular coming out of these three races all could be major, major three-year-old fillies. Are they good enough to really compete with Echo Zulu? We'll find out. Uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Put it that way. Let's start off with the forward gal. This is a one-turn mile at Gulfstream Park back on February the 5th. Girl with the dream wins. She goes right to the front, clears off, rolls home. I like the way that she ran. I liked everything about the effort. She earns an 86 buyer, time form US of 108, 106 pace adjusted. My concern is I just don't really look at her as a router. 
Uh, and I think it's telling that Brad Cox has not tried to go a route of ground with her to this point. She's run six times. She's never gone farther than seven-eighths of a mile. Uh, I think she's a very quality, quality sprinter. Wouldn't surprise me if she was a big-time player in a race like the Eight Bells. But just purely from the pedigree and the way that she moves, she's practical joke out of a Corinthian mare. I, when I look at her, I don't, I don't get the impression of, of Oaks type. So why do I look at this race and say this could be a very key prep for the Oaks and these other big three-year-old Philly races going a route of ground, going a distance? Because I think the, ra- the, the run of radio days is actually quite good. And I understand she hasn't improved in three lifetime starts. She really hasn't. She's earned buyers of 82, 83, 84 now. But for me, the pedigree, the way that she runs... She's yet to be stretched out to two turns, but everything that I see from her suggests longer is going to be better. And knowing that she's in the care of Suge McGahee, I think Radio Days is going to be very good. How good is very good and when? You know, that's a tough call. But for this to be her first race as a three-year-old, first race in two months, to break a little bit on the slower, slower side, she's bounced around a little bit toward the back of the pack, gets out into the clear, rallies the way that she does, puts in a nice middle move. But the thing that was most encouraging to me was to see her finish the way that she did. She was going after Girl with the Dream. And no, she didn't get up and she didn't get within a length of her. To me, that's really what what sort of indicates that she's a horse that wants more. She was just getting going. At 7 eighths, I can't say the same thing about Girl with the Dream. I think she was hitting her limits as far as being at her best, her optimal distance for an optimal performance. Radio Days, I don't know that we've really seen anywhere near the best of her yet. From a number standpoint, she hasn't gotten any better, but I think there's reason to believe and reason to be optimistic about what her ceiling could be, especially when they stretch her out to two turns, because I just, I love everything about the way that she's looked. Um, Numbers-wise, again, going to have to improve, especially compared to some of her contemporaries, but at this point right now, I just want to see that you're giving off indications that there's more there. And with Radio Days, I get that impression. I'm giving this race, although the winner doesn't really play for me, I'm giving it an 8. Because I think Radio Days could be one that, if she takes a step forward in her next start, let's say she moves up into the the high 80, low 90 range, she's right there. And at a mile and an 8th, I'm really not that concerned about her, her chances. So Radio Days is the one from a Kentucky Oaks standpoint. I'm most interested in. Girl with a Dream, I think she's going to be a player in many of those one-turn races, especially with that speed that she possesses. Uh, but Radio Days is the one I'm most interested in coming out of the forward gal. I give this rate, this rating, this race a rating of, easy for me to say, an 8. Now, a day later, February the 6th, we had the Las Virgins out at Santa Anita. Four-horse field, Adair Manor goes out there and romps. 94 buyer, pretty strong time form U.S. ratings as well. She earns a 117, 119 pace adjusted. I I mean, she was awesome. I will echo the same thing I said about Messier in last week's show with the Bob Lewis. You're going to get exaggerated margins of victory on incredibly biased racetracks. This was a day where gas was king. You go to the front, you're going to just, you're going to open up. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think there's ability here. I'm a little higher on Adair Manor than I am on Messier. 
simply because I I think Adair Manor, to me, when you watch her out there, she has always been, and I guess Messier is the same, but for whatever reason, when I look at the two of them and when I watch the tapes, I just think Adair Manor's ceiling is much greater than Messier's. I could be way off on that. But she looks like a sea monster out there. And it's it's part of the reason that I remember with the whole Gamine talk leading into her run in a race like the Oaks. Uh, distance, distance, distance. I was never convinced that she was going to be a two-turn type. This filly looks like she could run a mile and a half. I, I think she's extremely talented. I love that she's improved the way that she has. And I was, look, I'll admit, I don't love a jump from 70-70 to 92 to 94. But when you really look at it and say, the jumps came when they stretch her out in distance. Her first two races, she earned 70 buyers going short. They stretch her out to a route of ground. She earns a 92 and a 94, and she does it with ease. Both of them combined margin of victory in her last two races, 25 lengths. I think she's extremely good. She may even be as good as Echo Zulu. Now, I don't know that you want to fully buy in, you know, again, like I said about the Messier number, the Bob Lewis. Don't get totally suckered into that 94 because that was under ideal circumstances. But she's probably not far off. And we're still talking about a, a lightly raced three-year-old who's raced four times in her career. I, I think there's a ton to like here. And if you aren't sold on Echo Zulu or you're looking for an alternative, she may be the most logical one right now. The other thing you have to factor in, she's yet to prove that she can pass anyone. Maybe she won't have to do that, but if you run into Echo Zulu, in all likelihood, you're either going to get cooked early or you're going to sit off of her and try to make a run. I, I really, really like what I saw from Adair Manor. I think she's very good. I have no issues with distance. Uh, run a mile and a half. Not going to be a problem for her. Uh, the question is, how does she stack up against some of the better ones? And from a running style standpoint, you know, what are we looking at? Is she a one-dimensional type? Does she have to go in order to run her best? Or can she sit and be effective? Uh, I'm giving this a prep rating of nine. I believe in Adair Manor. I think she's the goods, and I'd be very curious to see where she comes next. Now, again, also keep in mind the problem with Adair Manor, or the, you know, the wrinkle, is she's trained by Baffert. So the same thing that we've talked about time and time again, and we will until there's some sort of a resolution or horses are transferred out of the barn, these points that they would have earned, they didn't. So Adair Manor has no points. Messier has no points. Any of these horses trained by Baffert have no points for any of these races. So I'll be very interested to see how that whole thing plays out because if I have a horse like this, I'm thinking we, we got to figure this thing out here because I'm, I'm not going to, you don't, it's not year in and year out, unless you're one of these groups that, you know, the, the alphabet soup groups where there's 15 different people involved in one horse. It's not often otherwise that you get a talent of Oaks or Derby level that not only is good enough to run, but is possibly a, a winning type. If I'm involved and I'm staring at the possibility that she may not be able to run. I'm thinking, well, this is stupid. We're going to have to figure something out because I'm not going to waste a chance to win the biggest race for this division that there is in the entire country. I think a dare is very good. And again, these are all 
These are all questions that are going to need to be answered sooner than later. I would think probably before this 50-point round of preps. I'd be surprised. Well, it's, it'll certainly happen before the 100-pointers. That's a, that's a layup. And, and maybe there will be some clarity as far as Baffert's horses and will they or won't they be able to run. But I would even think the 50-point run. I mean, that, that's a lot out there. If you run second to get 20 points in those races, you're probably close to the bubble. You probably need another top three finish in one of the final round preps. But if you got that, you're probably you're probably there. With the dare men, are you thinking bigger? You're not worried about trying to run second or third. You're thinking that we can win the whole thing. Uh, nine for a prep rating from the Lost Virgin is at Santa Anita because I, I think a dare manner is the goods. And the last race we'll talk about happened this past weekend down at Tampa. This was the Sun Coast. And you could probably go back a, a few months. I had mentioned the Philly Nest. I think she's extremely talented. They had kicked the tires on running her in the Breeders' Cup. They chose not to. They ran her in the Tempted at Belmont. She lost. She comes back. She grinds away and wins in early December's Demoiselle. Then they give her a couple of months off. Shows up in the Sun Coast. Destroys this field. Wins by six lengths. She put five lengths on the field over the final 16th of a mile. I think the talent is off the charts here. Now, again, if you're a numbers player... She's not fast. She earns an 82 buyer in this spot. Timeform US, not much kinder. A 104 and a 99 pace adjusted. But purely on the pedigree, the connections, and the tape. When you watch her, she shapes up like a two-turn kind of filly. That give me every bit of a mile and an eighth. Fine, let Echo Zulu go. Let Adair Manor go. Let some of these other speeds get involved. Uh, maybe Secret Oath for the coaches involved. Let them duel each other. I'm going to sit three off of it. We're going to wait. And if this thing turns into a stamina test, I'm going to win. She's by Curlin. She's out of an AP Indy mare. I think Nest is good. I think she's very good. And maybe she'll be the type that if these figs don't begin to improve, because that is the elephant in the room with her, in the last three races, 81, 77, 82, she has not gotten faster. Maybe she's that horse that it'll take a little bit longer for her to take that jump. I'm not ready to say that definitively, but maybe she ends up being a Saratoga type. Maybe she ends up being a coaching club, an Alabama, and then the second half of the season. I think she's really good. Again, there's something to the eye test. I know a lot of people roll their eyes and say it's all BS. There's something, if you watch enough tape, you see something and you go, we, we can work with this. You got something here. No, we're not seeing it on the, the clock, and we're not seeing it in the, the figs just yet, but there's something here. It's the same as the wide receiver that if you go to the combine, they don't run the fastest 40, they don't jump the highest, they don't do this, that, and the other the best, but when you watch the tape of them playing, you go, this, this individual can play. She can run. She going to win the Kentucky Oaks? Right now, that seems like a long shot, but I'm not giving up on her. I've loved her from day one. I think she's the goods. I'm giving this prep rating a nine. And again, keep in mind, these ratings, the number that I'm assigning is, are there horses in here who could have an impact in their respective races, the Kentucky Oaks or the Kentucky Derby? And as far as I'm concerned for the Oaks, the three horses discussed here, and again, I'm not trying to, to downplay the winner or the, the forward gal, girl with a dream, but I don't think she's an Oaks horse. Radio Days, Adair Manor, Nest, if you put together a Kentucky Oaks field right now, 
they are probably three of the top six choices. Even with some of them being a little bit sluggish on figs. Outside of them, you're looking at Echo Zulu, you're looking at Secret Oath, maybe you're looking at a couple other ones that are just slipping my mind right now, but I think this is a very solid group, and I think you're going to be able to put, assuming they all stay healthy, this could be a division that it's very formful, meaning all of the favorites in these prep races do what they're supposed to do, and then you get the showdown in the Oaks where they all run into each other for the first or second time for a a couple of them. As opposed to the Derby where it feels like you're always going to have they're not taking turns, but they're, you know, you know, banging heads and trying to do this, that, and the other. The girls feel very formful to me right now. The good ones are going to do what they're supposed to do in all these prep races. These trainers and these connections understand who's pointing where. We don't want to encounter this horse too early. Let's wait for the first Friday in May. This, that, and the other. If all that plays out that way, you could have a fantastic race. And even having said that, there's a chance that you get to the first Friday in May and all of these really good looking horses they've got beautiful pedigrees they look great on the racetrack they could all still be up against it if echo zulu shows up as good as we last saw her i think it's what makes me i'm almost as excited about the oaks as i am about the derby because i think you got a good group of three-year-old fillies going right now my opinions right there about the kentucky oaks preps that we've seen over the past two weeks and the kentucky derby preps we saw last weekend let me know your thoughts about any of the fillies that were mentioned in this afternoon's show beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie underscore Matt. You can follow me again on Twitter at Bernie underscore Matt. And you can listen to this podcast anywhere you listen to your pods. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Over on YouTube, search bar Matt Bernie, your show. You'll get this episode along with the 102 prior. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. If you're over on YouTube, Make sure you subscribe to the In The Money Media channel and make sure the bell icon is lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money channel, whether it's this show, whether it's the Players Pods, whether it's the Odds Honest Truth with producer Craig and Rich, all sorts of great stuff over there in the Money Media channel on YouTube. That's going to do it for me. I will be back sometime at the beginning of next week with this show from Saudi Arabia talking hopefully about some prep races. We've got a couple coming up this weekend that are pretty big ones. We've got the Rachel Alexandra down at the fairgrounds. We've got the Risen Star down at the fairgrounds. Those are both awarding 50 points to the winner. Basically, winning you're in. Both of those races. We're going to find out. There's going to be an Oaks horse coming out of that race. There's going to be a Derby horse coming out of that race. Maybe a few. Based on the way the field's put together, the Risen Star is the best prep to date. You've got some monsters in there. I'd be very curious to see what we get from the headliner of them all. And look, I'm saying the headliner. There are great horses in there. I say great. Horses that I'm really high on. Epicenter's in that spot. Papa Cap's coming back for another round off the bench. Trafalgar's got a little bit of an equipment change. But the big key to the race. What do you get from Smile Happy making his first start as a three-year-old? Given the way that the form of that Kentucky Jockey Club continues to flatter him. Does he live up to the hype or does he regress some? We'll find out. Uh, Until next week, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 103 of the Matt Bernier Show.